Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy Rails tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Welcome to Love It or Leave It, Vax to the Future. What's with this Fauci stick in my girl? Why does he got a front? What did 45 do to that guy that he's so anti-virulent? Pfizer Moderna, AstraZeneca, Vax to the future. Like Dr. Fauci. Oh, oh, and hydroxy is no more. I don't care. Going to drink some bleach now anyway. Light bulb and a little stack. Marjorie Green, my hydroxy queen. Some say that she needs help. Her Twitter is twisted. Her lasers are lit. Q is her guardian. Pfizer Moderna. AstraZeneca. Next to the future. Bang, BL, I'm at the door. t thugs are back for more. Oh no, common core. Don't look now what I voted for. Socialism, communism, cancel culture more. Vaccination, microchips galore. Sleep until I come along, coming to stick that leftist juice in you. That incredible song, that was amazing. I love that. Was by Dash. Like the sun and the Incredibles. And we are in the market for a new kind of theme because this Pride Month, we are going back on stage for a Pride show we're calling Out of the Closets, Into the Streets on June 24th. Join me and a lineup of your favorite LGBTQ plus acts as we bring the celebration to you. Out of the Closets, Into the Streets will be streamed live on June 24th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Join the fun on Crooked Media's YouTube and Twitch pages. If you want to write our Out of the Closets, Into the Streets theme song, send it to us at leaveitatcrooked.com. And please let us know if you're in L.A. because we might ask you to play live at our uh, Pride event. And I am very excited Uh, to uh, keep using these theme songs because we are going to be returning to all live shows very, very soon. Also, we have some big news. Crooked has partnered with our friends at Q Code to bring you a brand new scripted comedy podcast called Edith. It is starring Rosamund Pike as Edith Wilson. It explores the untold, truish story of America's secret first female president after President Woodrow Wilson suffered a stroke in the White House. Edith Wilson acted as a de facto unelected president. She signed documents, fired people, even caused international incidents. And along the way, enemies inch closer to finding out her secret. Edith was created and written by... 
You know him. You love him. Travis Helwig and Gonzalo Cordova. They did an incredible job. It is so funny. The trailer is out right now, so please check it out. The first episode premieres on June 21st. New episodes every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you pod. But really, check it out. Travis did an incredible job. Gonzalo did an incredible job. Rosamund leads an amazing cast, way more famous than I expected. Wait, they're really good. Um, and you will love the show. So please, please, please subscribe. On the show this week, we marked 200 episodes of Love It or Leave It. I cannot believe how many episodes of this show we have made. John and Tommy helped me turn 200 with grace and poise. The ghosts of my past joined for a very special rant wheel. But first, he's the patron saint of Love It or Leave It. There's no one I'd rather turn 200 with. Please welcome back returning champion Guy Branham. Thank you so much for having me. I've always aspired to sainthood and uh, comedy political podcast is one of the best things to be patron saint of. I do think Judaism could use saints. I don't, it seems like a great thing to start. Like there's no reason we can't start now, you know? I, I mean, while I understand we are against having icons and venerating human beings above one another. Also, I love Zaz. And I mean, uh, I love Zaz, I um, <laughs> love um, many gods. I wrote a book about goddesses. So clearly I got to love saints. And it's not like, I mean, look, I guess we there is that kind of tilt against that kind of celebration of icons, but they still print people's names on Trees of Life if they donate to the synagogue, you know? It's very true. So saints are just a supersized version of that in a lot of ways. I mean, it's very true. We can say that we don't venerate people up to like God, but every time I watched the Chabad Talithon when Alan, when Alan King was still alive, Alan King was there, and I would say that that was a little bit venerating Alan King. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's get into it. What a week. What a week. On Wednesday, the developer behind the Keystone XL pipeline officially canceled the project shortly after President Biden revoked a key permit necessary for a U.S. stretch of the 1,200-mile project. Following the cancellation, the pipeline announced a tour with Joe Rogan and Adam Carolla this fall. <laughs> exciting because it got canceled you know? it got canceled it's moving to austin it's going to do its stand up there and it's going to say whatever it wants to say it's going to finally it's not going to be curtailed by these woke anti-pipeline crusaders it's going to say it's peace i'm going to say this is all because of rutherford falls on peacock i would say for a very long time we've behaved as though native americans don't exist anymore and I think having a good, funny show where we show the real today lives of Native Americans helps us understand, oh, they're human beings. That means they probably need to drink water that does not have petroleum products in it. Yeah, I think that's, I think, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably the Peacock that the Peacock shows did it. Peacock's huge. There's Peacock. Peacock's huge. It's happening. It's happening. It's 1600 pen on Peacock. Uh, I wouldn't let him have it. I, I drew, drew a line in the sand. I was like, no. I Well, no, I, it wouldn't be on Peacock because 1600 Pen was a 20th show, which means it is under the Disney Aegis. Oh, okay. In this new world of ours, I think. So one day I'm going to get done with a Mandalorian and it's just going to be like, want to watch 1600 Pen? Up. Yeah. You might find this surprising. No one has uh, uh, come knocking on my door to ask about getting <laughs> the single season of 1600 Pen on their streaming platform yet. I want a streaming yet. platform that is just for things that were one season long. As it is right now, I have to watch them on YouTube, but I love shows that didn't happen. I mean, wasn't that Quibi? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't every show on Quibi one season long? Yes. Uh, meanwhile, as the press plane for Biden's first trip to Europe as president began its departure Tuesday night, its engine was flooded with cicadas, grounding the plane for hours. 
Yes. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> they just shut it down. Stopping journalists for a few hours, said a spokesperson for Alden Global Capital. There's no money in that. I, I like that um, our national security and international relations are now going to have to purchase some hungry birds. <laughs> like that's the thing standing Every between 17 us years. and being able to heal our relationship with Europe is just some it, hungry birds. Uh, we're going to have to uh, stand the tarmac a little. Um, the jet engine sucked in several thousand cicadas. Uh, that is disgusting. That is a gross thing. Just spraying cicada innards against the windows. No, that's, that's how I imagine. It's it. very gross. I'm from the West Coast. I've never had to experience the cicada thing. We had huge bugs that just live all the time. They don't wait 17 years to come back. Do, in New York, where you were, were there cicadas? Uh, I do remember cicadas at various points. I, I, I have a, I have memories of a cicada moment, um, like deep in my mind, um, but. Uh, I was trying to think of who's somebody that pops up every 17 years in New York. That's what I was trying to think of. I was like, I don't know. I don't have anything. <laughs> who's that pops up every 17 years in New York? For some reason, I want to say Bernie Getz, but that doesn't make any sense. Halston? Um, I don't know. Have you watched Halston? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, come on. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still, I got hacks to watch. I got, I got a lot of content to get through. I'm briefly in hacks. You of haven't course- watched... Hacks? I saw you. Oh my God. Did I not? First of all, first of all, I loved you in hacks. <laughs> I saw you in hacks and I feel, I, I actually think that if we, if we could check the records, you will find that one of my most recent texts to you proposing dinner did not mention that I had just seen you in hacks, but it was the inciting incident for the text. Okay. Like I think you and I are getting dinner tomorrow because of hacks. Yes. Good. Well, thank you to Lucianne Yellow, to Paul Downs and to Jen Statsky. Um, and, um, uh, of course, um, Jean. To Jean. Jean. Is Jean Smart part of the House of Medici in 15th century Italy? Because she's having one hell of a renaissance. (laughs) (laughs) Also in Europe, two people were arrested after a man slapped Emmanuel Macron while the French president was meeting with a crowd in southeastern France. Well, Guy, one was arrested for the slapping. The other was arrested for creating an invisible wall between Macron and his security detail because this is a joke about a mime. Um, no news story has ever thrilled me quite as much. Um, I love Emmanuel Macron. I love his wife, who was his teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he is just a little bit of like a schoolboy about these things. And I would point you to... John Lovett. Yeah. Do you remember when a person from a crowd attempted to slap uh, Canadian Prime Minister Jean Chrétien? I don't, but say more. In the 1990s, somebody attempted to slap Chrétien. Chrétien, uh, coming from the uh, poor, I believe, asbestos mining town of Shawinigan, um, and not unfamiliar with what uh, a human hand striking him would be like, grabbed him by the throat and choked him to the ground. I like that. In what was politely referred to as a Shawinigan handshake. And so, <laughs> um, you know, metropolitan France can talk shit at Quebecois accents all they like, but the French boys up there know how to handle uh, a rough crowd. Um, you choke them out. That is an interesting distinction between uh, Quebec. In France, I do see that. I do see that making some intuitive sense. Uh, Also, this week in entertainment news, 
I could not. This, this sentence. The Southern Poverty Law Center has signed with the talent agency UTA for representation. <laughs> <laughs> now, guy, here's what you have to understand. This, <laughs> guy did not know this either. That is, he's lost it. Guy, you have to understand. The Southern Poverty Law Center had like a very tough final meeting with its agent at Hinoki and the Bird and was like, I look around and I see the ACLU with cases that should be my cases. And you know what? No, no, no. Don't, don't interrupt me. It's not even that the ACLU got that case. That's not the issue. I'm not going to get every case. That's the business. It's tough. I've been, I get that. I've been around a long time. It's that I didn't even know about the case. You didn't call me to tell me that that case was even a possibility. You didn't fucking tell me, and that's your job. This was a discrimination case. I am the Southern Poverty Law Center. This was a discrimination case in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I was put on this earth to do that case. That's what I am. That's what I do. People know that. That's what I'm supposed to be. That's why I hired you. Oh, you always say that. Hulu's interested. None of this shit goes anywhere. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll always be friends, but I'm moving on. I'm moving on. That was a play I call the Southern Poverty Law Center fires CAA at Hinoki and the Bird. Thank you. I blanch at how much I have had that exact conversation with every manager or agent I have fired. Um, I'm also excited that the Southern Poverty Law Center is looking to get into comedy, clearly. Like, UTA, I mean, it's where all of your biggest names in comedy are. Is everyone going to make content? Is it going to be like, if you want to catch that, you got to check out Amber Alert Plus. For, you know, like what, what, what are we doing here? I am fascinated to see what we get on the Southern Poverty Law Center's streaming channel. Uh-huh. You know, um, what sort of content are they going to pick up? That is very ridiculous. I respect them so much. Like, I, like, honestly, if I were going to think of an organization that is like, no frills like of course when you're thinking about like organizations that are supposed to be public interest and are the most thrills your mind immediately goes to the human rights campaign which has never done a thing for a person and only exists so that older wealthy gay guys have somewhere to take their younger boyfriend in a tuxedo but if i were to go to sort of like meat and potatoes guys exactly obviously just just for the record before i just stay at it Obviously, Guy is uh, uh, in jet. You know, he appreciates a lot of the work of the Human Rights Campaign. I appreciate a lot of the work of the Human Rights Campaign. It's Pride Month. It's Pride. I'm poking my own community. Mm -hmm. I'm calling them in. I am challenging them to do more work that benefits our society and not just giving awards to Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone has a lot of awards. Um, But like Southern Poverty Law Center... I'm pretty sure they're just working on trying to make sure that there are civil rights south of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> Here's what I thought. Is there an IP play here? Like, what are we talking about? Are there, are, what, I'm very, I'm interested. I'll see where, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. And if you, if you're, if you're somehow associated with the Southern Poverty Law Center and you don't appreciate how I've represented this uh, uh, UTA deal, you can, you can let me know, but I have to say I'm a, it's just a surprising sentence to see in the world. <laughs> Uh, also this week, the FBI was able to recover ransom money paid to the Russian hacker group Darkside by gaining access to one of the gang's Bitcoin wallets. But that story was going around. But on closer inspection, it looks like Darkside got to keep 100% of their cut because, and I didn't understand this, Darkside is actually a ransomware developer and they use an operating model called ransomware as a service. 
So Darkseid gets a 15% cut for the malware they created, and the rest goes to the customer who is responsible for actually infecting the computers with it and negotiating the ransom and doing the actual crime. So, so what happens is, basically, if you, have the, if you have the interest in attacking somebody with ransomware, but you don't have the know-how, you can basically rent. You can, it's, like a, it's, like, it's like Amazon cloud services for ransomware. But so anyway, since the authority sees 85% of the ransom from a single Bitcoin address, it suggests that Darkseid got its cut, but the actual hirer of Darkseid didn't. Isn't that interesting? I love a swindle. Uh-huh. I think this is why we should have unregulated markets because, you know, if there's a demand, there will be a supply. Good for you, capitalism. You're, you're really solving this problem. Also, um, was really excited uh, by the, the boom and now bust that we have in Bitcoin. Um, I think nothing could be better for our economy than um, uh, pointless bubbles of value that are pushed along by uh, canceled comedians in um, Austin. Not to mention billionaire electric vehicle tycoons. It is. Um, it does seem as though like, hey, I have this idea and it's for a currency uh, that requires the energy uh, of the nation of France. Uh, and it is basically only really useful for criminals. It's like, okay, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think that's a very good idea. Guy, now it's time for gay news. The Biden Justice Department says it could vigorously defend a federal law allowing religious schools to discriminate against LGBTQ students. That created quite a kerfuffle online, but as Mark Joseph Stern writes in Slate, the DOJ looks to be taking up the case in order to prevent discrimination from getting even worse because an anti-civil rights group called the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities asked a judge to let it take over the defense of the law on the grounds that it didn't believe the DOJ would vigorously defend it because the Biden administration can't get enough guy-on-guy action. Elsewhere, that group argued for a more expansive interpretation of religious schools' legal right to discriminate. So if the DOJ doesn't defend in this case, the other organization could try to give a conservative Supreme Court an opportunity to expand the existing religious exemption even further, which is a reminder, if you read the news on Twitter, you actually didn't. Guy, what do you think about this? I, I like, it's, it's nuanced. You know, it's like, on the one hand, they're saying they're going to vigorously defend something they maybe not on legal terms, but certainly on moral terms, find wrong under the, the basic idea that the administration must defend the law, that that's a sort of basic precept of how our, how our system works. Well, it's such an interesting situation. And it came up a lot when you had challenges to gay marriage cases. There were a lot of people, I think, um, when uh, Kamala Harris was uh, attorney general of California, wasn't she the attorney general? When San Francisco mm-hmm. was handing out um, marriage licenses, she said that she would not like uh, uh, apply the California law to the, the situation. Um, th- but there is danger of a Justice Department just saying, we're not going to defend this law that was passed by our government because it does allow hardline people to come along and be like, we'll be the ones to defend it. I don't think that the Justice Department is going to be wink, wink, like enforcing this. We need to respect that, like, that's the Justice Department's job. And I think well, Twitter, Twitter going I- batshit because, oh no, Biden's not the perfect liberal we need. Like his Justice Department is going to defend laws that are already in place um, is a rough situation. There are, all lo- there are lawsuits ongoing all the time. And yeah. the government is, it's always assumed that the government will defend a law. And if the president, if, the, if an administration can change hands, let's say one that goes from passing the Affordable Care Act to opposing the Affordable Care Act, 
and then decides we just are not going to defend that law in court, you're basically giving a new administration the ability to invalidate a law. You're basically saying, well, they're not going to defend it. And so it is a difficult issue. Well, but it's also something, uh, um, us believing that we should solve problems this way through either administrative channels or through judicial channels. And that's, that, those are the two options we have here. We have people challenging it in court, trying to use judicial, and then we have people trying to nullify that through the administrative branch by saying, maybe we're not going to um, defend this as hard as we should. It's all getting around the fact that the legislative process doesn't happen anymore. The, we have created a situation where the legislative process doesn't happen and it's really dangerous. And you know, my answer to this question is get rid of the filibuster. like. Get rid of the filibuster and make a new state or two, um, because we need to do something so that there can be legislation in this country so that our laws will reflect the will of a majority of this country, which currently there's some shit in the way of. Speaking of the will of the majority, support for same-sex marriage has reached an all-time high with 70% of Americans supporting its legal recognition. The data came from a scientific study of the roughly 3,000 people who have asked me when my fucking wedding is. Uh, and we don't know, guy. That's the answer. All right. When are when are you and Ronan getting married? We don't know yet. We're trying to figure it out. It's been a, it's hard. I'm, a, I'm I'm I don't know. I think it's. I'm glad that you guys are queering marriage. I think that too many people uh, think that it is their job as queer people to comport with heteronormative ideas of what marriage is. And I think you guys being engaged forever is a great queering of gay marriage. <laughs> First of all, fuck you. <laughs> forever my mother listens to this it's not been that long <laughs> fran second point no one has made me more anxious about this the planning of this wedding than guy branham let me tell you why and i was going to save this for our dinner but i'll say it here i wasn't really i'm hyping it up for this you were like oh that's so exciting gay people have the opportunity to reinvent heteronormative institutions in ways that may define them moving forward because this is a uh, a, a generation that will be among the first to have gay weddings. And you can uh-huh. redefine and, and figure out customs that could potentially help shape what marriage becomes. And obviously, that's pretty heady, all right? I just want to have a party with some apps and some toasts about how great I am, you know? I mean, it's wonderful. It's dangerous when you have too many performers, though, because, like, sometimes it can become a lot. But let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, we've all been, we've been there. Here's why America is more supportive of gay weddings now than they were before. Because when this first became an idea that was on people's minds, everyone was like, oh, gay guys will have good weddings. Lesbians will have bad weddings. They'll wear cargo shorts. There will be dogs there. And everyone ignored the fact that lesbians are also extremely competitive. And every lesbian wedding I have ever been to is the most beautiful event I have participated in my life up until that point. Like, they are killing it, slaying left and right. And, you know, if you haven't been to a lesbian wedding yet or a femme-centered queer wedding, um, please make some new friends, get on that list, Mm because they're really doing, I mean, like, they're doing some amazing stuff. It's very exciting. It's very exciting what's happening out there. Uh, Guy, I have a pitch for you. Yes. All right. LGBTQ. Yes. In terms of mouthfeel, it's tough. It's not Mm -hmm. a smooth-sounding phrase. Here's my Mm -hmm. pitch. What if we started saying La Quabita? I love La Quabita. As in L-A-G-Q. So the G and the Q are together so you can kind of hear both sounds. Yeah. U-A-B-I-T-A. La Quabita. La Quabita. Like, La Quabita Americans. I'm a La Quabitan. 
I love I mean, it a lot. It, it, it's so much Laquabra. We're Laquabra. We're not. It, I, I'm just the letters are tough. It feels um. It feels bureaucratic. It feels '90s. It feels like we were. Don't you come for the '90s, John? Coming. We did important, good work that moved your rights ahead. <laughs> we're contemporaries, guys. Let's, <laughs> come on. We're contemporary. All right. Nice try. Laquabra uh, sounds lovely. It sounds like a valley where you get orange wine from in um, Portugal. Um, yeah. I love, I love it's a vintage from the Laquabata Valley, from the Laquabata, yes. from the Laquabata Valley. Um, Laquabata. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there into the world. I'm, I enjoy being an LGBTQ American, but I'd even enjoy, I'd enjoy even more being a Laquabata American. But I also think there's something about so, like so many voices have been ignored for so long that I think there has been this real fight to create space and to create like more representation of inclusion. And I think as that uh, representation becomes realer, the fight over letters will become less significant. You know, I mean, already, I mean, a lot of people just like queer, queer works for a lot of people or whatever it is, whatever form it takes. Um, I just look forward to this beautiful Laquapita community that we are part of. Uh, well, I agree. That's be part happy of my and produce good orange wines. Sorry, that's what I. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, I think part of this is I think Laquapita to me achieves two things at once, which recognizes that the further we get in this fight, the more the barriers between you know the G and the B and the T they start to and the Q they start to kind of the L the L is the L is strong, but the the. <laughs> I mean, L, obviously L bleeds into B, but hard to get from L to G. You know, it's just, but there's just a, there's a, there's a mixing of the, of the borders. The L's produce many of our B's. We're, we weren't allowed to talk about it for a really long time, <laughs> but they do very yes. good work keeping our B's populated. That's absolutely true. I gotta, I gotta tell you, one of my favorites is um, when, when the L's go so far, they get to T, then come out the other end to G. Um, those motherfuckers are fun. <laughs> this is why I'm saying we need Laquabata. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also including yeah, that, that's true. Some more gay news. I'm counting this for some reason. Prince Harry and Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, are they still that? You know what? I'm not calling them that anymore. Harry and Meghan announced the birth of their second child on Sunday, Lilibet Diana, paying tribute to both Queen Elizabeth and the late Princess Diana. Will the baby also be traumatized by uh, being connected to the royal family? Probably a little bit. Um. Yeah. Did you listen to the interview that he did with Dak Shepard? No. What? Tell me about it. <laughs> it was just fascinating because, like, it was fascinating to hear unfiltered Harry. He, like, he was dumb about some interesting things, but I found the whole thing charming. I'm so excited for it. I will always use a title for anyone who has a title. I welcome and I'm excited to have Lady Lilibet in this world. Um, I also think it was such a California spin. I don't know that I entirely approve of it, but naming her Lilibet instead of Elizabeth really is a very American answer to uh, British tradition. And for such a long time, the weird second sons or third sons or whatever of the royal family have just been like stuck in some palace in Kensington getting married to racist ladies. And the notion that like, oh, we're not going to need you for like our national symbolism Go just be celebrities in Hollywood. That just seems reasonable to me. Like, yes, Lilibet will probably at some point in time host a house flipping show. Good. That is a much better use for her than just like being married to a rich guy who's probably a little bit of a gangster. And that's gay news. Guy Branham, 
Thank you so much for being here on our 200th episode. Can you believe that? Congratulations and mazel tov. I'm very excited for you and Pandit to 200 more. To 200 more. To yes. 200 more. Next year in Jerusalem. Next year in West Hollywood. Next year in West Hollywood, for sure. Next year live in West Hollywood. Yes. Thank you so much to Guy Brandon for joining us. When we come back, John Favreau, Tommy Vitor are here. We played a very funny game. Basically, a, a newlywed game, for, but for, uh, say, uh, three friends who started a podcast and a media company. Uh, stick around. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. <laughs> Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the 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 attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm-hmm. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love it. Congratulations, John Lovett, on 200 episodes. Truly an amazing feat. Marvelous, isn't it? 200 episodes. What is this? Everybody loves Raymond? My God. <laughs> Put it away. Hang it up. <laughs> 200 episodes of Love It doing his stand-up routine. Whew. Yeah, Oof. I'm worn out. <laughs> Congratulations, love it. I think you did it by now. I, th- I think we've gotten to the heart of this stand-up thing. Let's move it You've along. You've developed an hour. You have an hour, yeah. record the hour. Let's get it out. Give the show over to Ronan. That's what we want. Right, yeah. John Lovett's going to transition into his complex sneaker show. This is all work up until that. Uh-huh. And we'll, we'll get there slowly. <laughs> all he wears is New Balance. <laughs> new Balance say. Get it right. <laughs> that is the gag now. Like Timothy Chalamet, the girls are wearing New Balance. They are, they are. So Love It was behind the curve, but now he is the curve. Anyway, congrats, John Love It. Congratulations, it. John Love It. Yeah, congratulations. I actually love you, you wonderful human <laughs> being. 200 episodes. That's wild. Wow. Congratulations, John Lovett, on 200 episodes of Love It or Leave It. One of my most memorable Crooked Media experiences happened as a result of Love It or Leave It. We did a live show in Minneapolis about three years ago. There was a massive blizzard. People came to the show anyway on skis and uh, snowshoes. And then after the show, we all went out to eat at the only place in town that was open and serving food. And while we were moving the tables around, Two of the tables pinched a piece of my leg in between them, and I still have a scar from it. So congratulations on that and many more scars for many more Crooked Media hosts. And we're back. This is an emotional day for me. It isn't. 
<laughs> Ever since I was a little boy, I dreamed of leaving my position as a speechwriter for the most powerful person in the world for a job where I could sell mail-order ED medication while wearing branded merch with my name on it. In honor of a dream come true and a job well done, I've invited my two dear friends, Jonathan Favreau and Thomas Vitor, to come on Crooked Media's flagship program, Love It or Leave It, in celebration of platonic <laughs> love like no other. As someone who has listened to every episode of The Wilderness and Pod Save the World, it means a lot that they are willing to prove their devotion to me, Crooked, and love it or leave it by proving that they listen to and retain everything we say in a game we call the Newly Pod Game, a.k.a. Yes Homo. Here's how it works. I'll ask a question about one of us, and the three of us will write down an answer. Whoever's answer is closest to one written down by the one whose question it is about, you get it, gets the point. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. I think question, so. Question. rules were said really quickly, but. Question number one. What is John looking forward to most about being back in the Crooked Media office? John L. This, or John F. John Favreau. John Favreau. John okay. Favreau. In fairness to the game, I did not think about my answers to these in advance. Why did I write so small? That was stupid. It'll be fine. It's a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Tommy, what's your answer? Uh, avoid parenting. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I said recording in person. I went straight with it. What'd you say? Recording PSA. Yeah, that's right. Point for me. A point for me, though. Tommy gets the comedy points. He remembered the ultimate goal of this program. <laughs> uh, the deeper goal. Next question. If Tommy had to be stuck on a desert island with Stephen Miller, Mike Pence, or Kellyanne Conway, who would he choose? God, that's hard. I think I got it. I've already, I've already read your mind. Okay. John, what was your answer? Pence. Pence, I said he would let the ocean take him. Uh, <laughs> I said Kellyanne. Kellyanne is wow. oh, She's awful, but like she's vicious funny. Like Mike Pence would just bore you to death. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, and she might, and also like Kellyanne Conway is a survivor. Yeah, maybe you guys would find something in common and it would be like a, a buddy comedy. Right. Hey, it's just, it's just last two left, you know? I don't know if she's technically single, but emotionally she seems single. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Next question, what is my Starbucks order? Oh. Tommy? Uh, uh, I said double shot espresso on ice, and then you pour free milk on it. <laughs> Pretty close, John. Uh, I said some dumb shit that saves you like 50 cents on a normal iced latte. <laughs> That is, uh, you're both you're both pretty close. <laughs> Triple espresso and extra ice in a grande cup with four pumps, sugar-free vanilla, and a splash of half and half is like the correct answer. But I'm gonna give it to both of you. I'm gonna give it to both of you. Wait, oh, Brian Semmel guessed in the text. Triple espresso on ice in a grande cup, three pumps, sugar-free vanilla with a splash of half and half. Brian, you won this one in text in the Google Doc. Next question for the two. Brian signed himself a uh, guest. Uh, I, I used to be my job to get those. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Next question. What Twitter fight still gets me worked up? Oh, oh, oh. I'm excited to see what you write. Got it. Tommy, are you ready? Um, close enough. I'll give you a hint. I do believe that this can be answered with a hashtag. Yes, I got it. John, what'd you guess? K-Hive. <laughs> That's right. It's oh. the K-Hive. Tommy, what'd you say? I was going to say, any criticism from a resistance wine mom in your mentions that you never check. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty good, too. That's close enough. Same thing, really. Same thing. I will say, uh, and just shout out to the K-Hive. Uh, much love to the K-Hive. I, you have, uh, there are uh, trees 
in the rainforest, older than human society, with shorter memories than the K-Hive. Uh, <laughs> For those of you listening um, who aren't part of the K-Hive, if you just start tweeting that this happened at the K-Hive, that please, would be the best way to Please don't alert the K-Hive, all right? Please don't alert the K-Hive. Lo- love to the K-Hive. Please, K-Hive. I surrender. <laughs> Next question. Uh, what is Tommy's most prominent vocal tick when we are recording? Oh my God, that's so bad. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. I hate all of them. I don't know how to narrow it down. I don't. That's a tough one. I know. Tommy's pretty I know. good. I, at... I have my answer. I got mine. John, what'd you say? Um, I said foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, my answer. My answer is like using words over and over again that are sort of like seventy-five percent correct in context, but not the one you would have chosen if you'd thought about it. Okay, I'll settle, but I time. Yeah, of course. All right, well, it brings us to our next question. What is John's most prominent vocal tick? Oh, God. Oh, there's so many. Tommy, what was your answer? I wrote fuck like 80 times, so it was very prominent. That's good. That's good. I wrote neoliberalism. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like a classic male podcast host verbal tick. Right? Right? Yes. Right. You do. Right. It's, right. There's, um, it's actually, I know it's I'm interesting. I'm not the only one. I think I've cut down on it's, it. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough. Well, there's two versions of right. There's the, it's a, it's a statement, then an actual, like, please respond to me. Right. And then there's the, like, kind of like, like uh faux humble. And you don't do this as much. There's like a faux humble, like you make a point that you think is true, but you throw a right on the end as if it's a question. Like, like, but I'm approachable. I'm approachable. Oh. That's called the that's called the full Iglesias. Next, what is my most prominent vocal tick? Oh, that's easy. Oh, it's easy. Oh no, I don't think it was. <laughs> uh, Tommy, what was your answer? It goes something like this: um, pause, sort of snicker, sideways smirk. You know, <laughs> we've talked about this before. We said this before. <laughs> Fuck. John. Something about the culture. <laughs> oh, that's good, too. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I actually wrote down, Tommy. I'm giving you the point because I wrote down a pause as if I'm thinking of what to say, but really I'm about to say something I've said like a million times before. <laughs> <laughs> it's the third third take. <laughs> it's the third that's take. Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's good, Nar. Yeah. Nar, Nar yeah. chimed in with, I think that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> I think that's right. Final question. What was the hardest part about working from home for John? <laughs> uh, this time, I want to see what John said. Well, let's see, let's see what Tommy said first. Uh, I went with balance. Because <laughs> he broke his shoulder. Good point. Good fucking point. John, what'd you write? I wrote, is this where you pre-butt Emily's rant with a mean joke? <laughs> yeah, I will. What was the hardest part about working from home for John? Emily's Instagram. <laughs> I knew I it. Say marriage. <laughs> wait, wait, this just in. It is time for a lightning round. Here's how it works. Tommy, as the Shrek to our Fiona and Donkey, the Bowser to our Mario and Luigi, the good to our bad and ugly, the snap to our crackle and poppers, we have a round just for you. Here's how it works. You have to simply say, which John? Are you ready? Oh. Had dinner with Bo Burnham once, not sure if he made an impression. Love it. Correct. Spoke at college graduation. John F. Both of us. Fuck. Uh, who did some light Jared Kushner cosplay? Love it. Favreau. Favreau for Halloween. What? 
Remember? Oh, he dressed fuck. up as Jared Kushner. I thought it was like an impression. Sorry. Who said the West Wing was an incredible, inspiring show and one of the reasons I wanted to be a speechwriter? Stop, bro. <laughs> You'd think it was. Somehow I said that. I what? said that. Yes. It was during 1600 pen promotion, and I didn't want to say anything. You get it. Uh, Man. Who likes shopping with Emily Moore? Love it? Yeah. Okay. Because John hates it. Uh, who dressed up as a trash can as a volunteer for the Gene Shaheen campaign? Favreau. Favreau. And I just want everyone out there to know that somewhere in the world, there's footage at a local yes. uh, uh, affiliate of John Favreau dressed up as a trash can. I think, what was the logic of the trash can, John? There was some, someone's there trash. Was some there were some Republican attacks on Gene Shaheen, and we wanted to, the New Hampshire Democratic Party, we wanted to, talk, to call them Republican trash attacks. And so I dressed in a full trash bag, and someone from WMUR just filmed me running behind a dumpster. This was on the local news. No one can find the tape. No one can find the tape. Yeah, the tape has been uh, canceled. I went to a, uh, a Liddy Dole, now then became Senator Dole event when we were trying to run against her when I was working for Erskine Bowles for a few weeks. And we held up signs that said, there are holes in the Dole plan and we cut holes in our shirts and we got on the local news. And then a 90-year-old man shivved me with his forearm on the way out of the event. Very violent. Whoa. Wow. So it's a precursor to some of the politics we've seen as of late. Mm, Interesting. Yes, foreboding. Right. Good foreboding. Good take. Good take. Tommy Vitor, John Favreau, thank you so much for joining us for this 200th episode spectacular. When we come back, I had a really interesting conversation with Tara Hauska. Uh, she is protesting line three. We talked about uh, the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline and what this fight means for indigenous rights, for the fight against climate change, and how she stays hopeful in such a difficult and long battle. It was a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Hey, it's Akila Hughes. And it's Gideon Resnick here. Hey. And uh, we are congratulating Love It or Leave It for 200 episodes. Welcome to the 200 Club. We've been waiting for you here, man. Where you been? <laughs> yeah, we actually got a trophy for when we did it, and we'll happily pass it on as a keepsake for, for you Yeah. Now. Yeah, we thought we would just be sharing it, but you're finally here. Congrats. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, you got this. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get to 300 one day. Totally. <laughs> and we're back. She is a tribal attorney, a land defender, and a former advisor on Native American affairs to Bernie Sanders. Please welcome Tara Hauska. Tara, thanks for being here. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, uh, Tara, before we get to anything else, you are leading these protests against Line 3. What is Line 3? Why is this important? Uh, and what are you hoping to achieve? On its face, Line 3 is a nearly million barrel per day tar sands line coming out of Alberta. Uh, down through hundreds of our watersheds to the shore of Lake Superior. To me, it's an extension of colonial violence. It's the expansion of an industry that we know is killing us and all life that, as we know it. It flies in the face of climate science. It flies in the face of human rights. And it flies in the face of uh, racial justice and environmental justice. It is a continuation of greed and violence on our lands and on our people. It's 
the same old, same old, and that that narrative of uh, colonization that needs to change. So on Wednesday, more than 10 years after it was first proposed, developers canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. Years of protests and legal battles led to the Biden administration canceling the permit, effectively killing the project. This is an incredible victory, but in light of the ongoing fight over the Dakota Access Pipeline and the Line 3 uh, pipeline, which you are uh, currently leading efforts to stop, what lessons do you take from the Keystone fight uh, that you're trying to apply now? I certainly think one of them is that it took us well over a decade of social and political pressure to finally see this terrible project that should have never been approved come to a close. But I think the uh, pieces, especially around requiring an emissions test and to ensuring a full environmental review seem to be absolutely critical to actually stopping the Keystone XL pipeline because it couldn't pass a climate test. Line three doesn't either. So we're using those same tactics of going to a democratic administration and saying, hey, this is no different. It's the emissions equivalent of 50 coal-fired plants. Um, It doesn't pass any semblance of respecting tribal cultural resources. The many wild rice beds that are protected by treaties with the United States. It won't pass an environmental review, so stop the pipeline. Um, I want to ask about like sort of, I just want to hear your thoughts on the sort of two kind of talking points you hear on the other side, just to get your response to them. One is that this is not a new pipeline. It's just replacing an old leaky pipeline. So why wouldn't you want to have a better pipeline that's not as dangerous and not as risky? Yeah, that's something we hear all of the time. Yeah. Like what, what's wrong with you guys? Like, do you really want the old one to keep leaking? What we want is the old ones to be pulled out of the ground, the mess to be cleaned up, and for us to transition away from fossil fuels. The solution to an old aging pipeline is not to build a brand new pipeline in a new place that's untouched by pipelines so it can leak somewhere else. It's clean up your old mess and get out of our territory. It's time to move on to a green economy. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I, I, even even in your, people have said to you, oh, well, it's just it, it just moves along the same. So just for people listening at home, line three ostensibly it's replacing a pipeline and it does track the route of the pipeline for parts of it. But then there's whole swaths of it where it's basically just a new pipeline that's going to be in completely sort of untouched areas, right? Yeah. It's in a pristine area with 800 wetlands, 200 bodies of water. It's Northern Minnesota. It's the headwaters of the Mississippi river to the shore of Lake Superior. That's the Great Lakes. It's the fifth of the world's freshwater that's at risk. The other argument you hear, which was made around Keystone, it's made around Dakota Access, it's that environmentalists are concerned about how this will affect climate change. But if the pipeline isn't built, Enbridge, the company behind it, will still move the oil. They'll still move it by cars, trucks, whatever. They'll still move it, uh, which is less efficient uh, and will create more emissions. They say that building line three doesn't therefore worsen climate change. What's your response to that talking point? Well, one, line three is a 10% expansion of the tar sands. That's totally not factual. (laughs) Two, they have the existing pipeline infrastructure to continue to move their oil. Like they don't actually need this line. That's part of the reason why Minnesota's Department of Commerce is suing Minnesota's Public Utility Commission. So the state's actually suing itself because Enbridge couldn't justify its oil forecast. There's just not the need for the the amount of product they want to move. And lastly, I mean, I think you know, the the writing is on the wall. We're moving away from fossil fuels in a big way. We see that with uh, the move to electric vehicles and all that, right? Like the transition is happening, whether or not the oil industry wants to admit it. And they've pulled out far more than they can use. And it sits in giant storage containers all over Canada and other places. When I started looking at this, my my first sort of reaction is like, oh, this feels sort of like hopeless. You're fighting these multinational corporations 
there's money in this stuff. There's money in the ground. There's money in this oil. There's money in these fossil fuels. And they will get that money no matter what you do, right? Like, in part, this Enbridge project is trying to get the oil down this way because they had to abandon another direction due to other protests. Like, they are trying everything they can to get the money out of this. But one thing that that you point out in some of your messaging is they are in a race against the clock to get these fossil fuels to the market before fossil fuels become obsolete. Do you really feel like this is on that time frame that like that that there really is hope that even in just stopping line 3 you're going to actually make a difference in in their ability to actually use these fossil fuels? I think there's a couple different things. One is, you know, a lot of these tar sands that they're planning on transporting or trying to transport through our beautiful homelands is, you know, it's meant for foreign market. It's actually not meant for energy independence. Like the United States has actually more than it needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's trying to expand that dependency on fossil fuels to the rest of the world. But in the meantime, like most of westernized society is moving towards green economy and they are racing against the clock. Their industry has been deeply impacted, in particular tar sands, because it is the most expensive and most carbon intensive form of extraction. It requires an enormous amount of energy just to pull it out and then to transport that sludge uh, through the pipes. Enbridge and TC Energy and all these uh, tar sands companies have really been hit hard with that reality, uh, which is, you know, Northern Gateway was canceled. Energy East was canceled. Keystone XL was canceled just left is uh, Line 3 and Trans Mountain Pipeline, both of which have very strong indigenous resistance and have for um, almost a decade at this point. On indigenous resistance, so putting climate change aside, uh, this is also a fight about just the rights over the use of this land. And one thing I've heard you say is that it is clear as day that this project is illegal. It just simply is a violation of the law. Uh, can you say more about that? Like what what is it that makes this pipeline so clearly illegal? How has it been that that the financial interests have made it so easy for authorities to ignore those legal restrictions? So treaties are in the U.S. Constitution as the supreme law of the land. It's been a longstanding policy and understanding, I think, of the general public and of the judiciary that that is not absolute. There's a long history of dispossessing and disenfranchising and dismissing indigenous rights and indigenous peoples. That said, I think, you know, there's been a lot of moves in the Supreme Court recently that have kind of started to reverse course, right? Like, so recognizing that the eastern half of Oklahoma is actually indigenous territory, upholding the right to off-reservation hunting, fishing, and gathering rights. Uh, one of the b- big seminal cases that is actually here in Minnesota. It's called Minnesota v. Mille Lacs Band, in, in which they reiterated and, you know, reinforced, yes, you have the absolute right to off-reservation treaty territory to hunt, fish, and gather, which is what what's at issue here. So in the treaties with the United States, with Ojibwe nations, wild rice is so important to our people. It is so central to our culture and to us that it's the only grain mentioned in a, in a treaty with the United States. And that's protected. And that's what we're talking about. That's what's at issue here. So for something to put that at risk, which is not just a spill, but the actual like dredging and filling and you know construction of the line, that is a direct violation of the law. And due to a long standing process of fossil fuel influence and corruption, you know, it's kind of been the standard of law enforcement agencies to become either directly employed or partially employed or influenced by these industries, like here in Minnesota, where they've created a public safety escrow account uh, in which Enbridge is pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars to incentivize police to harass and surveil us. And that's exactly what's been happening. 
they filled almost three quarters of a million dollars to Enbridge uh, for costs associated with the Line 3 demonstrations. But I think it also, like, it speaks volumes that when I bring up, okay, so you got Line 5 that's operating illegally over in Michigan right now. Like, the Michigan governor has said no, right? Yeah. But when you bring up, like, so are law enforcement then going to go out and start tear gassing and batoning pipeline workers? The, or the response is inevitably, oh my God, they would never do that, you know? But like they do that to us, right? Saying that we're violating the law when they're actually in this case, very clearly in violation of the state law, at least, right? Like the governor has said no. Tribal nations say no all the time. Just so people understand, I'm sorry, I just want to, I want to make sure people understand that. So basically line five is in Michigan. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has basically set, ordered it to be shut down, right? But they're actually still right. operating it in violation of that order. And that's playing out in the courts. Whereas- Protests are trying to shut down line three and receiving an incredible response from the police that is not happening in Michigan, despite it being countervailing the direct instruction of that government. Right. Do you see like Michigan law enforcement out tear gassing and using LRADs on pipeline workers? No, of course, even though they are directly violating the law. But that's the response, right? Of course not. But when it comes to us who are upholding our rights that are foundational to the existence of this country and to the state of Minnesota... It's like, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's that's really too bad. You know, like that's been the way things that, you know how things go. And I, and I, and I, I personally like didn't totally understand that myself, that that really is like it's it's a deploying of state violence purely based on cultural expectations. Like if you're violating the law in this way, in violation of these corporate prerogatives and this and those that corporation can basically fund the police and they're directly funding the police in uh, uh, in Minnesota, they're literally, they have a bank account, they put the money in to cover the costs of the police doing the work of clearing out the protests, then that's okay. But the reverse is like, of course, that doesn't happen. Of course, you don't deploy against the corporate entity. Um, before I let you go, and, and thanks for taking the time, like, you know, there have been successes, shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, others that you mentioned, yet at the same time, like, when I think of these protests, just being honest, sometimes I think like, oh, it's like trying to hold back a river with your hands. It's like, you're fighting some of the most powerful and well-funded corporate interests on planet Earth. Uh, you are up against these corporations that are very sophisticated in that they know that these legal battles will play out for years. The pipelines can be completed and the work can be done far faster than that. Uh, they have, in many cases, the assumed or direct backing of, of local governments and a history of victories against treaties against basically everything you can throw at them. How do you stay in this fight? How do you feel committed? How, how do you get up every day and keep doing it? Well, I think when you look at an opponent, you look at what they are most afraid of. What I see from the fossil fuel industry, from either the fight against Dakota Access or Keystone or Trans Mountain or Enbridge with Line 3 and Line 5, they are absolutely terrified of the people finding their agency and their power. They do entire campaigns and PR strategy and influence of local governments, of state governments, of federal governments, of all kinds of different levels to criminalize protest, to try to uh, pacify and quell resistance because they know those pieces are something that they can't quite control outright. They can't influence outright. So they try to do their very, very best to get to people's hearts and say like, well, there's nothing you can do you know, just sign up for a job, get in line, sign up, get your job and let it go. Life takes energy. That's their motto, right? Versus like, it's actually energy is taking life. Like their form of energy is literally taking life. I mean, I think the thing that the things that keep me going are not only observing their reactions and like this immense response from this company and from others like it, 
to Indigenous-led resistance, but also seeing what happens when people come together. Like Minnesota is the place where George Floyd was murdered uh, last summer. And seeing what happened to a national conversation on race uh, when millions of people were marching in the streets. I see the same things here and, you know, in, in smaller doses, right? But it's still the same. It's like black, brown, queer, indigenous, young people. And then some older folks too. And Jane Fonda. And Jane Fonda who are saying, (laughs) no, like this isn't how it's going to continue to be, right? Like we're not going to allow this to keep happening. And as that movement grows and becomes really powerful, I mean, that's how you get the meeting with Gina McCarthy, where they're really, they're expressing major concerns about a DAPL-like situation, right? Like they don't want that on their watch because that piece of people power truly is incredible. And it's something that they can't control and they can't buy. Um, So that's what keeps me going, you know, out there. (laughs) Well, Tara Hauska, thank you so much for your time uh, and um, good luck in the fight. Thank you so much to Tara Hauska for joining us. When we come back, it's time for the rant wheel. And it's, uh, it's really, um, it was tough. It was tough for me. And we're back. As Carly Simon once sang, I'm so vain, I probably think this show is about me. Since I have been doing this for too fucking long, this week's rant wheel will be a little different. Instead of deciding what will be complained about, the wheel will decide who gets to do the complaining about a single topic, this show... <laughs> This week on The Wheel, we have Aaron Sorkin, Akila, Demi Lovato, Emily Heller, Lachlan Murdoch, <laughs> Elisa, Emily Favreau, and we have Travis. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on Akila. Yeah. Wow. I'll take it away. Um well, congratulations, John, on doing the show for too damn long. Uh, <laughs> iconic and truly what we all hope to achieve in life is doing something for too long. Uh, yeah, my biggest gripe this week, I feel like, about you is that, you know, we just don't see enough of you. I feel like, look, you're on Pod Save, you're on Love It or Leave It, that's fine. But you're not on the internet, like, posting pictures of your face. What's the point of having curly hair if you're not going to share it with the world? Like, we're just supposed to this remember nice. what you look like from five years ago. This Listen, is too nice. I, I mean, look, I could also be roasting you online if you posted pictures. I can't just roast your ideas about Joe Biden. <laughs> That's not interesting <laughs> for anybody. You know, okay. I just I feel like there's no way to interact. And uh, it's it's just sort of like a waste of time. So, yeah, I think you should cancel the show and just get back on Instagram. OK, I'll think about that. I'll think about that. Travis, you have something you want to say? Just uh, absolutely tonally. 180 degrees from what I'm going to do. <laughs> great, great. I love that. I like to set the bar very low for Travis to just dunk on it. This is going to be, I'm glad we started there because I think these are going to get too mean. Let's spin it yeah, again. Yeah, I think, I think I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> I just, I'm, I tried my best. That's good. You're easing him into it. It has landed on Travis. Oh, great. Go. (laughs) Say whatever you're going to say. Thank you so much, John. Um, First of all, make sure you follow uh, Edith, the podcast, uh, Mm -hmm. wherever you get your podcasts. My new podcast. We have a promo at the beginning of this episode. Oh, well, then I'm sure you also mentioned in your promo that I have a Twitch show where I drink wine. We don't. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Tug Hellwig if you want to drink some. Bleep. I'm serious now. Bleep the fucking wine show. Google my Twitch. Bleep the wine show. 
John, it means so much that you included me uh, on this. Um, it's such an honor to be here on a podcast of someone who knows Tommy Vitor. Um, <laughs> you should get shoulders like him, I think. Uh, yeah, sure. Who wouldn't want shoulders like him? Keep going. Look, it means so much that you would have me on so soon after I left. It's just really nice um, to listen mm -hmm. to the show every Saturday and sure. I've noticed a small drop in quality, but sure, I'm but yeah. confident. <laughs> I'm confident you'll be able to turn the ship around. No problem. Just like you did after season one of 1600 pen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so when I was asked to come on for the 200 episode extravaganza, I knew it would be a moment of celebration. Like, like, uh, you know, these milestones you want to reflect, right? A, a, a New Year's birthday. Sometimes you want to hear some constructive criticism, some roses and some thorns, mm -hmm. right? Is that okay with you if I do some roses and thorns? Yeah, go. I wrote a whole, se wrote a whole segment, John. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> um, Rose, I think this show really has broken down some barriers of creativity. Um, I don't think people knew it was possible you could make an entire career stealing from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thorn. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm really sad you wouldn't let me book Andy Barowitz because you would always say that he would outshine you. And I don't think <laughs> that's true, John. I think you are my generation's Andy Barowitz and you have to stop selling yourself short. Rose. Uh -huh. Doing okay. one show, doing one show a week is an intense and massive undertaking. And judging by the outcome, I can tell you learned a lot working for the Hillary campaign. Thorn, <laughs> um, no one ever gave you credit for coming up with Pokemon Go to the polls. Um, I think that was uh, just chilling in Cedar Rapids. Genius joke writing. I knew your career would flourish. Rose, mm -hmm. you mobilized and engaged thousands of people who had never been in politics before to elect Joe Biden. Thorn, you mobilized and engaged thousands of people who had never been in politics before to elect Joe Biden. All right, let's get, there's a yeah, that's a there is a rose. That's a rose. That's a red rose. Uh, John, that's all I got for my segment. Thank, Thank you so much uh, for making us laugh every week. It's genuinely very impressive that you did 200 episodes. You should be proud. I love you. I miss you, and I'm proud to have been a part of uh, this show. Uh, you're doing a great job, and um, you know. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in whatever you do next, because I'm sure you're going to do something else once the show gets canceled. Okay, thank you, Travis. That's very nice. That's very good, Travis Helwig, everybody. Um, Twitch.tv/tughelwig yeah, if you yeah. want to learn about. <laughs> I know you still listen to this show because you use it as a place to find guests for your fucking wine show. <laughs> uh, let's spin it again. I'm so nervous. Emily Favreau has a look on her face. It has landed on Emily Heller. Okay. I feel like it's not It's not going to land on me, so. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a good idea. <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm going to be perfectly honest. I did skim the email. Um, I just saw, like, commemorating milestone episodes, what the show means to you, <laughs> beloved, getting a bunch of favorites together. I assumed you wanted me to come talk about the Friends reunion, so I had actually prepared a rant on that. Okay. Um, and uh, I actually don't know what the rest of you guys are talking about, um, but can we talk about, they spent so much money on getting them together, they couldn't have put a little bit aside for an editor. What was what was David Beckham doing there? Why is, why is James Corden there? 
Why is Justin Bieber there? Why is James Corden there? What's wrong with James Corden being <laughs> Why there? Why is Cara Delevingne there? Why is James James Corden hosting that <laughs> accomplished the unthinkable, which is he got me to say this would be better without Malala. <laughs> I didn't think anything was going to make me say that in my life. I don't understand why it's him. He's not on NBC. He didn't interview any of those stars when the show was on. He wasn't even in the country. And unlike Malala, he expressed no personal connection to the show the entire time. Like, I get why they had, like, Reese Witherspoon on, you know? And uh, I get why they had some of these big people on to try and say, like, oh, the show had such a huge impact on the whole world. But... We know that. That's why we're watching. It's an hour and 44 minutes long. That's enough time to get you from Ross proposing to Emily to him (laughs) saying, I take thee, Rachel. That's Mm. how long that reunion was. And I just felt like James Corden was an interloper. And John, tell me if you can understand why I feel this way. Uh I just feel like we all showed up for the friends. James Corden being there, it's like, that's not why we're tuning in. You know, he's uh making it about himself. So and I just like think, as a performer, I personally think that that's like a rude thing to do. So showing up and either trying to take over the show or doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing, you're kind of just sort of like taking you away from what the whole thing was about. Yeah, I just don't. I like just, whether like a segment or like even in a rant wheel, like not following the thing and just sort of making it about you, making it about what you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I just think it's de- I just think it's despicable. Uh-huh. Like, I just think no one... Like no if you have a hobby will... or something, if you have like a hobby or something and all of a sudden you're constantly bringing that up even though nobody cares or asks you about it. Right. It's like I get that you're friends with David Beckham or whatever, but like this mm-hmm. is the Friends reunion, you know? Like it's... Yeah. It's like... What, so it's like a you, special it's supposed to be about friends, but you make it about something else. That, you make you know, it about someone... something else. And I, 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 just, I just find that rude. And, and I, I just really want to thank you for... Um, giving me the space to come into your um, 200th episode and um, and talk about that. <laughs> I know that I don't really have a history of, of going off script mm-hmm. with you, so I appreciate you indulging Let's me spin this, it one, again. this one time. Let's spin it again. It should have been Aisha Tyler. That's all I'm saying is it should have been Aisha Tyler. She was should've on the been. show. Yeah, we were all wondering. Show. Where was Aisha it Tyler? It should have been Beyonce talking about how James Corden won that Emmy when he shouldn't have. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It has landed on Elisa. Yes. And most people probably don't know who that is. Yes, they do. So they know. explain. It's Elisa Gutierrez. Thank you. The longtime producer of this show. Yes. Who left. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I was Love It or Leave It's producer for a while there. I was your assistant before that. <laughs> and I don't really have a rant. I just wrote down some memories that I have from my time with you. It starts when I was your assistant. And at some point, I think you told me I was emailing you too much as your assistant. <laughs> <laughs> So what a note. I took that opportunity <laughs> and the next time a company wanted to send you guys some things, I sent it straight to Tommy, to Favro, <laughs> and that's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and when their things came, I think you came out of your office and you were like, it's because I said too many emails. <laughs> so I'm grateful that you took that in humor and still let me work on your show. Um Another thing I wanted to mention was that every time I have driven in a car with you, I was scared for my life and didn't feel like I could say that before now. 
<laughs> but you're not my boss. So I can say it. Um, another thing I... <laughs> Another thing I really miss, I don't miss the driving thing. I really miss our orders at the improv where we would get an assortment of appetizers, really healthy, delicious appetizers. And um, we shared a similar palette for food. And Mm -hmm. occasionally I would get a text from you that said, it's one of those nights. And I would immediately (laughs) order a spinach dip. (laughs) And we would share that together before the show. And I genuinely miss the spinach dip and I miss the appetizers. And finally, I do just want to say that I also really just liked working with you. And I learned a lot. You would always oh, no. listen to my ideas and suggestions, love it. And you would want to talk about difficult things before they were on the show. So I learned a lot from you. Thank you. And congrats on 200 shows. That's so nice. Hey, Lisa, <laughs> that was nice. You miss appetizers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spin it again. I also just want to say, Lisa left the show for the New York Times, and I left to do a Twitch show. <laughs> we all made choices. Oh, it has landed on Emily Favreau, much to her surprise. It's my moment. Um, hi, John. Okay. Hi. So, so in nervous. a recent in a recent Pods of America ad, you said that I drank vodka soda in my bottle as a baby. You called me Aunt Lydia, and you said that according to my Instagram, I believe there is no such thing as bad PR. Well, according to your Instagram, there's no such thing as a flattering T-shirt. Um, so th- thanks for having me on your show. Um, here is my rant. I think it's begun. <laughs> um, shopping Yikes. with you is like shopping with JLo. I sit in the dressing room while you force two salespeople to pull every sequined tux jacket at Neiman Marcus. You buy three. Then you get too nervous to wear any of them, and you still end up looking like someone called AV support for the party. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be mean about your personal aesthetic. I should be mean about your interior design aesthetic. (gasps) I think you got all of your tips from the Pinterest board labeled guy who took acid at West Elm. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I'm I'm Uh not nervous about traveling with my 10-month-old because I've traveled before with you and Ronan, and it is definitely worse. Um, You both arrive 10 minutes before takeoff, and somehow... Um, one or both of you manages to lose a passport, a boarding pass, and or a piece of luggage before even getting on the plane. Ronan can pull it off because he is a Pulitzer. You have, what's the opposite of a Pulitzer? A podcast. Oh. <laughs> so well, I, don't is not a I don't, I don't want to say that you don't respect other people, but you have never RSVP'd to an event I've hosted, including my wedding. So I guess I do want to say that you don't respect other people. Excuse me, this is my moment. Please don't, please don't speak over me. Um, Shit. So two weeks ago, I asked if you were coming to John's birthday because you were the last person to RSVP, and you said, "Of course, I'm coming." What else would be? Do- would I be doing? I don't know. Certainly not your hair. So I. What is this? I've, I've heard, I've Who wrote, heard you what, what, often say that Pundit is an angel. Did you get Does a room mean, together? These are actual <laughs> roast jokes. Does that mean that everyone who uh, shits in the house and barks all day goes to heaven? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. All joking aside, congratulations on 200 episodes. It's actually impressive. I will try to catch one of the next 200. Um, but in the meantime, I'll be watching Travis's wine show because it's funnier. 
Um, anyway, in conclusion, please stop talking shit about me on your podcast. I'm not, a, I'm not there to, to protect myself. Um, and if you don't, I will get back on here and tell them the good stuff. I love you. I mean it. Oh my God. I'm so terrified. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, I think we heard him. I, I think, know he's um, really quiet. <laughs> I think. Well, was, he didn't uh, want to hear from me when I said the nice stuff, so I think you get what you get. You don't put the fit, quite frankly. Um, I really appreciate it. I, there you go. I think that um, I'm really glad Akila's rant was nice uh, because it turns out that that's going to have been important to getting me through the next couple of hours. I think about that one the most. Um, I'll send you. I'll send you the jokes that John told me were too mean. <laughs> What was it? Just like a picture of my face with a swastika on it? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> what didn't make the cut? Emily Favreau, that was wonderful. I love you. Uh, I love thank you, you to everybody here for being part of this <laughs> incredible rant wheel that went just as well as I could have hoped. <laughs> Emily Heller, Travis Helwig, Akila Hughes, Emily Favreau, Elisa Gutierrez, thank you so much. When we come back... We'll end on a high note. And we're back because I need it this week. Here it is. I guess there's more people congratulating us on 200 episodes. Terrific. Hey, John, love it. And everybody at Love It or Leave It, it's Michaela Watkins. And I just want to say happy 200th episode. I was on your first episode. I could have cratered it right then and there. But the fact that you went on to make 199 more is really a testament to you, your impeccable comedy, your humor, the the ridiculously talented guests that you've continued to have on and um, and all the glorious ways that you've connected everybody through humor through such a horrible dark time and continue to and educate us you're the best i love you so much bye bye 200 magical episodes 200 times to shine 200 opportunities to educate that is the John Lovett experience. So that's just something I think that you should put at the top of this episode slash all your episodes to come. I'm willing to serve as that vocal energy for you. Okay, John Lovett, I support you. I support your work. I support your gorgeous curls. And I hope that you are proud of yourself. Because I am. I am. I've been saying for years, let the white men speak. And every time you do, my faith is renewed. Bye. Hey, y'all. It's me, Langston Kerman, and I'm calling this radio station to wish John Lovett and all the folks that love it or leave it a happy 200. That's insane. That's 161 more episodes than Flavor of Love. And we all remember how great Flavor of Love was. Remember Hoops? Remember Tiffany Pollard? Remember that lady who shit on the floor because they wouldn't let them use the bathroom for hours at a time? classic television and you guys beat it you deserve it i'm honored to have been a part of it so proud of you and i hope you get a thousand more flavor of loves you've done it hey john love it congratulations on your 200th episode of love it or leave it this is josh gad and while your crowning achievement as a human being was the one season of 1600 Patton that uh, you co-created with me. I still think that Love It or Leave It is a really close second. Um, You know, you're doing some great work, uh, like trying to preserve democracy, and that's great. Love you. 
Thanks to everybody who submitted those high notes. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213-262-4427. Thank you to Guy Branham, Tara Hauska, John and Tommy, and everyone who tore me apart on my very own show. There are 514 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Thanks so much for listening over 200 episodes. Thanks for sticking with us uh, through very long four years from a transition from a live show to a Zoom show for the songs and the coming to the live shows and seeing us on tour. I am so grateful. I feel so fortunate that I get to make this show every week. It is one of the great surprises of my life, and I don't think I would have been able to get through the last four and a half, five years without you. So thank you for listening, and I am so excited to make, you know, roughly 200 more. We'll see. We'll see. And have a great weekend, everybody. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, and Lee Eisenberg. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Gunalan, and Peter Miller are our writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narmel Konian, Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can. Love it or leave it.